This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. In today's episode of Shrink Chicks, we have the privilege of sitting down with actress, author, and film producer, India Oxenberg. We discuss India's experience with the Nexium cult, challenge the stigma associated with people who fall victim to predators and or high control groups, and the grooming and coercion that occurred and how she's been working to heal and find herself again since she left. To hear more about India's story, her book, Still Learning, is available on Audible, and her documentary, Seduced, Inside the Nexium Cult, is available on Stars. India, thank you for coming on. Wait, we're, we're so really excited, excited to, to meet with you. you. I'm so also, happy birthday, and you just were like traveled with a boat across the fucking world, so like, yeah, what the fuck? That was a wild, wild experience. Hold on, is this too much? I'm just... What's perfect better? perfect so i it was not we were not yachting i'm just gonna <laughs> clarify that because a lot of people think when you post shit on instagram that like you're you're taking pictures of the most beautiful things on purpose not necessarily that that's the reality of the situation <laughs> right. in, in our case you did not want to see the reality of the rashes on my back and the bruises i did give one glimpse of bruises but i was fucked up because <laughs> it you're 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 you know learning to navigate on a boat and and we were doing 24-hour watches so we had uh like usually my shift was from either midnight to two or two to six a.m which was kind of spectacular but also terrifying because you're in pitch black with a 65-foot motorboat that i was learning to also navigate thank god my uncle is really skilled at this (laughs) and so patrick my my fiance was also chef no little girl no (laughs) also being the chef and so he was cooking three meals a day and I was like his stew and it was it was a lot and we were on there for eight days and we landed we went down the coast um from Marina del Rey to Cabo San Lucas and it was eight days and I arrived on my 30th birthday I was like get me the fuck off this (laughs) boat and into an all-inclusive spot I don't care how creepy it is I'm I'm washing the scurvy off I'm gonna scrub the crap out of myself I'm getting two massages and then I let myself just get really drunk that night and (laughs) then it was hilarious because I ended up just like you know how it is when you go out and you're like oh it's your birthday it's your birthday and I find another birthday girl (laughs) who literally has a bandana of like birthday and is in a mini dress dancing on a bar top and I'm like, okay, so clearly we're celebrating a different birthday. But I, can still get, I can still get down with this. And so I was like, happy birthday. How old are you? She's like 21. But I'm like 30. <laughs> but hi. Different and milestone. It was, just, it was just so wild because I felt like, I, I mean, we'll get into this, but like I lost so much of my 20s to Nexium mm. that I feel so like infantile at times mm. when it comes to like the things I should have learned, like drinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and my my fiance's like, come on, it's all mental. Like, just take a shot. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, we're gonna get into that. Um, 
so what we would really like to talk to you about if you're cool with this i don't know how much podcast station told you what we'd like to really talk about is that like how actually easy it is to end up in a situation like this right so whether that's a whole i think people have a judgment and a criticism of like well how could that happen but like or like that would never happen to me but like that's not true yeah. And and I mean, I so appreciate that you want to talk about that because that was a lot of the reason behind um, my desire to do Seduced was to have it be an educational piece that showed the process of grooming and coercion in a tangible way rather mm-hmm. than like, oh, coercion, that thing that we don't understand and have no laws about. Like, it's just, for me, it's so co- much more common than we think. And oh that there's gosh. a lot of stigmas about people who fall victim to predators and also high control groups and the first one as we know is that you're a dumbass (laughs) and like to me that is like laughable now but there was a time where I really believed I couldn't explain myself and I thought that everyone who I even remotely you know spoke to about Nexium was going to be like what how why would you do that and how did you let that happen and it was so daunting, the thought of having to explain myself to every single person. I was like, eh, I don't want to deal with this. I'm going to change my name and run away to the mountains. But that's also not an option because <laughs> as you guys know from <laughs> being in the world of therapy and healing yeah. and recovery, you can't run away from that shit. Right. Like, it will follow you. It will show up in your relationships. It will terrorize you at night. And it still does. And mm-hmm. and But I'm at least aware that I have to go into it rather than like bypass it. Yes. Absolutely. And I have to say like you really did do that with Seduced. I watched Seduced and I loved it. You you really did do that like at the – I could really see how you could get pulled into it, the way in which you described yes. like the <clears throat> first meeting and just like the grooming that happens. But – the reality is, is people can fall into anything, whether it's abusive relationship, whether it's a um, a high control group, it is actually incredibly easy to get pulled in. And so tell us a little bit for anyone who hasn't, first of all, people have to watch Seduced on Star is absolutely amazing. But can you give people a little background about your experience for anyone who hasn't seen it? Sure. Um, well, I was 19 when I went to my first intro presentation and I actually went with my mom um and we this wasn't the first time that her and I had explored personal growth together so I felt like I had a pretty good radar for these types of things growing up in Los Angeles you see a lot of bullshit and I was like really taken by their presentation and it was it spoke to me and it spoke to me particularly because I was in a vulnerable place and I was in a trans- a time of transition, which is, which you could say is one of the ways that uh, someone could be lured into something like this. I don't like to say that that has to be the case because I've seen it not be that way as well uh, with very prominent and successful people. But I think for me, I was really looking for structure and guidance. And I had just left um, a year of university and I was like, this isn't for me. I'm very dyslexic. And so traditional education has always been a challenge. Um, and when when they spoke to me, they spoke about the concept of abolishing fears so that you could actualize your full potential. And I was like, that's me. (laughs) I was just raising my hand. I was like, I'm scared shitless. I I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go with my life. And I feel like I'm, I'm missing a lot of the the skills in order to just take my life to the next stage. I mean, let alone, 
I was 19 and it, it's laughable now because I look at my 19 year old sister and I'm like, why did I have so much pressure on myself? Mm. Like mm. how could I have thought that I would have known? And, and I had it all backwards because I was looking for a purpose outside of myself. And I thought that a program like this was going to help me achieve that. Um, and so I end up, you know, starting as a student and I'm quickly recruited to be a coach, which, which means ultimately you're dedicated to Nexium education. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was really enthusiastic about it at first. I met a lot of really cool people. I was really on the younger end of, of the students at that time. So everything was new and fresh and interesting. And I was learning a lot about myself. Um, what I didn't realize at the time was the education and the way that they teach, with, which is a really repetitive, uh, was indoctrinating me into a different belief system. Wow. So that sounds kind of weird in sci-fi, like that you could be programmed and reprogrammed like a computer. But the truth is, you are all, this is always happening. So you're either aware of it or not. And sometimes it's for your benefit and sometimes it's for your demise. And in this case, I was being told it was for my own benefit and that I was evolving myself. But the truth was I was becoming more robotic, more distant and disconnected from the things that I really loved, thinking that I was replacing them with more, you know, elevated desires and, and, I think it took me a long, long time to realize that how insidious that was. Um, And really I saw it when I was recruited into DOS and how easily it was for me to have my life taken from me very quickly. And that's a hard leap for a lot of people to understand, but we're talking about five years of grooming and indoctrination to the point that I was recruited into DOS. I didn't just say like, oh yeah, that master slave program sounds great. I'll try right. Like, no, that's not how it works. And so why I wanted this series to be as detailed and honest as possible was to show that this is a slow drip and that it doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, cut to the last couple of years that I was in Nexium, I was in DOS, um, which was a secret sorority within Nexium that really was about enslavement and blackmail and obedience and subjugating women um, while we were being told that we were becoming stronger. Uh, so that takes a lot of undoing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's – and I really have to say, like, you did such an amazing job of – explaining kind of everything that you went through in Seduced. And I really, just the fact that you're talking about how this is a slow process, it's something that happens over time, um, I think can be so helpful for so many people, whether it's people who are indoctrinated into cults or even in kind of high control relationships, abusive relationships mm-hmm. too. Because I think it's so easy from the outside for people to say, oh, like how could you not have seen that, right? Like how did you not see those red flags when this is something that is such a slow process that happens over time? And even at the beginning of Seduced where they were having those, and correct me if I'm like saying uh, any of the <laughs> things that happen 
wrong, but <laughs> the terminology uh, that I hope that I can forget one day. Right, right. <laughs> right. Well, when like they were having those breakthrough moments with people in front of like the whole class that how powerful that must have been to watch and be a part of and it just I could see how you get so pulled into that of oh I'm helping people and I'm changing you know that there's such there's so much around that feeling like oh I'm growing and I'm helping other people grow it's a high and that's uh like why we even talk about the high arousal state because I think that's important it it actually is one of the ways that brainwashing works <laughs> and and it's how it works best is it kind of just taps into that part of you that wants and desires that feeling and that feeling of camaraderie and like you're changing yourself and you're changing the world is a really powerful statement and and i think that for me because it was based in personal growth and, you know, it wasn't some like woo woo spiritual thing, which I had, you know, been more familiar with growing up. I thought I was doing something cutting edge and that this was going to be my thing. And, and I think one of the ways that Keith Raniere is, is a master manipulator. And I, I don't like to give him that much credit because I, he's not a genius. He's just really good at manipulating people. And he identified that people who came from, either parents or countries where they had certain status or prestige were looking for ways to self-identify and what young person isn't really. Right. And, and so for me, I was kind of like a prime, you know, catch because I, that's really what I was. I was the perfect candidate. And, and I, I was so desperate to kind of define myself separate from my mom who I had been so close to my whole life that I was really open and susceptible. We are so excited to share our newest sponsor with you all, Hungry Root. Hungry Root is the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. The team at Hungry Root just sent me a new box full of amazing stuff. It was literally like I was opening a present going through it. Seeing what was inside and trying everything was just so thrilling. In my Hungry Root box was chicken salad, veggies, dumplings, shakes, cookies, and so much more. My favorite thing I tried was the drumroll donuts. I highly recommend them. The ordering process could not have been more simple. You take a fun, short quiz and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all of your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to good use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal tastes, but each order is fully customizable. Take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and much more. Hungry Root has made my daily meal prep so much easier. The mental load of grocery shopping is exhausting, and Hungry Root gives me back that mental energy. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Shrink Chicks listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Just go to HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's HungryRoot.com slash Shrink Chicks. Don't forget to use our link so they know we sent you. 
When bloggers or influencers post their outfit links, nine times out of 10, I click on it and immediately exit because the price is bananas. It wasn't until recently that I clicked on something expecting it to be the usual out of my price range sweater and it was under $60 at Quince. Quince has become my ultimate destination for luxury essentials that won't break the bank. Let me tell you about some of the gems I found at Quince. From their 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters starting at just $50 to their washable silk tops and dresses, organic cotton sweaters, and stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, Quince offers a range of high quality items at prices that are truly within reach. And here's the best part. All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Yes, you heard that right. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the middleman passing the savings on to us. I recently got my hands on one of their washable silk tops and let me tell you it has become a staple in my wardrobe. Not only is it incredibly versatile, I've worn it to work, out with friends, and even dressed it up for a date night, but the quality is unmatched. Give yourself the luxury you deserve with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. You know, it's interesting because we sit here and it is so quick for all of us to say, how could that happen? And so I love the phrase of the slow drip, right? Because like we look at people, I think it's so easy for people to pass judgment on people in abusive relationships and any of these things. But the reality is, is it's not all bad. <laughs> That's why, right? If it was all bad, you wouldn't you would leave. Have, yes, right. you leave. That's not Who what's happening here. Fucked up boyfriend. I mean, if you haven't, then God bless you. You're right. lucky. But I, <laughs> yes. I honestly know way too many people who have found themselves in situations similar to Nexium, similar to my situation with Allison Mack and Keith Raniere. Yes, that's kind of like an extreme example, but I see so many parallels between just a, a, a domestic violence or domestic situation, whether it's men on men, women on women, mm-hmm. the similarities are there. And if you don't know what to look for or to identify it, you can't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. You know. And so there, there, there is a lot of judgment on that and like that, pe- that people don't have self-worth and you know that might be a factor but really that's kind of a byproduct of the situation so you're not specially broken because you were abused right yeah just targeted there's such a like isolation that happens too and I know you talked a lot about that isolation that happened in Nexium with your mom and like the separateness that came up for you can you can you speak a little bit about that experience like the kind of isolated from people who were outside of Nexium? yeah I mean that was one of their strategies was to kind of create this little bubble of a community that uh was self-sustaining <laughs> it's kind of funny to say that now because so many people were broke or you know in debt to Nexium. so it was far from that it once you ran out of money you just gave your own lifeblood mm-hmm. but it it's for me i i didn't notice it right away i just thought that this was part like a natural process that i was going to be having some distance from my family that i was going to be working on myself that my relationship with my mom was unhealthy and those were all things that i was being told Mm. um and there was some truth there was enough truth in it like you said it's not all bad 
there was enough good, there was enough truth for me to continue to believe that what they were saying was, was real. And also they were authorities to me. So that was also at play. I was looking up to these people for guidance and, and they were letting me know that the more that I pushed on my growth, the more I was going to be able to achieve in my life. What I didn't see was that my life was actually shrinking and that I would, I stopped working. I stopped seeing friends. I, I wasn't able to go to birthday parties. I like all the things that kind of keep you connected to your community and to your family and your friends were being um, leveraged against Nexium and ESP. Wow. Every time I chose Nexium or ESP, which was their consumer front product, it was like gold star, gold star, but it hurt at the same time. Yes. And like, that was one of the things that I didn't allow myself to really feel was how painful it was to have to choose I just would get angry and feel like frustrated and like, oh, I hate that. Like, I hate it. I hate it. But you couldn't really be open about that either. Right. And I really couldn't be open about it when I entered DOS because that I was required to be happy and to show that I was enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. And, and so even that, that took it to the next level. And so even if I had any kind of disdain or uh, upset, I wasn't allowed to express it. Yeah. You had mentioned the relationship with Allison Mack, and I think that there's a, a part of us that think that specifically other women should have our backs, right? Well, they wouldn't put me in any danger, and we really trust. And I don't know, there's this part of like femininity nurturing thing that we can easily get fooled and gaslight, right? Like, there sounds like there's a significant amount of gaslighting. I'm wondering what that experience was like from like the female perspective. I mean, it's exactly what you said. I did trust her just right off the bat for being for being another woman. I didn't really know Allison all that well before she recruited me uh, to DOS. I, I knew her just kind of like through the community. And I, and I had a certain level of admiration for her too because she was really excelling and I was not. And I was just kind of like staying in this limbo zone and being told that it was because I wasn't fully committed. And so that was making me go crazy. Because I was like, how much more can I do? I'm yeah. like literally moving here. But um, I, I really did trust her. And I think one of the saddest things for me was recognizing that I didn't trust my own instincts from the beginning. And I, I do talk about that in the series. And it was like probably one of the more painful recognitions for me was to realize that I had a moment of self-doubt. And because of what she said to me, which was, how can you think that I would ever hurt you? Don't you know what we do here? Like, what's wrong with you, basically? Mm. How could you think that? And I just dismissed my instinct entirely and was like, wow, I'm, I am stupid. I should just trust you. And um, it's a difficult thing to repair. And I still struggle with it because it's not only just with women, but it's just trust in general. It's like, do you really have my best interest? And I even see it in my own relationship now. And like, I need constant reassurance to kind of remind myself that this person is honest with me. They're here for me. They're not here to like dupe me or manipulate me, but it's difficult to separate your feelings from that. 
because you'll get triggered and then, you know, I'm slingshotted into the past and I'm not really dealing with reality anymore. I'm having a panic attack over something that's not even happening. Mm. And, and that's a real thing when you have complex PTSD, I guess. It's just like, it, it comes with the territory and I've had to learn all of that too and learn to identify it and be able to express that with my partner which has been a long road. Like I just now feel like he understands that there's certain times where when I say, I don't know how to tell you what's what I'm feeling, that it's not because I'm trying to avoid him. It's literally, I cannot explain myself. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like overwhelm. And um, that's frustrating because I'm someone that like prides themselves in being able to just handle my shit. And so when I feel crazy inside, um, I feel like I'm, you know, going backwards, but then I also have to realize that that's part of this non-linear healing journey, which is like one step forward, two steps back, forward, two steps back. And sometimes it's exhausting. And you just talked, I think, really in such an insightful way about like the shame of not listening to yourself, right? Which I think is often what causes people to not get help because they think like, well, I saw the red flags and I chose to ignore them. So they go into this like self-deprecating thing. And themselves. Right? And when you zoom out, it's like, no, 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 no. This was brainwashing. This was, right? right? Like, like were, that's the cultic taught, relationship. Yes. You were taught to not trust yourself or, right? or Because if you're having a reaction – it's because of your own shit. Right. It's because of your own stuff. Right. And that's like, you know, Predators 101. It's just switch it, distract you, make you feel like you're the reason that this is what you wanted. This is what you chose. I mean, how many times did I hear that was you you made this choice? And I'm, and I, I'm like, yeah, I know that I did, but I couldn't, at the time, I didn't have the wherewithal to be able to like question that I was just like I guess I did so I might might as well make the best of it it's it's really just so wild that there are people out there that are that terrible <laughs> like I have no other you know just like yeah manipulative and hurtful to others and if you're someone who has empathy and is at all like a normal human being you won't even see it that's yeah. how crazy it is and I, it was so hard for me to break out of that mold of these are good people. They were doing what was best for me. They had my best intentions. Like I had, you know, been programmed with that way of thinking that to even question it was pretty terrifying. Mm-hmm. And like the, the unraveling of coming out of Nexium was messy and, and challenging yeah. because I had to confront a lot of that of like, wow. I would put myself in a situation where I was in danger to the point of going to jail. Mm-hmm. Like that's extreme and that's hard to swallow. Yeah. Skeptical about custom beauty? I get it. My feet is flooded with customize this and personalize that, all promising to fix my fine lines and thinning hair, but when pros says custom, they actually mean it. It's no gimmick. Your formula couldn't exist without you. Their in-depth consultation analyzes over 80 factors for a complete view of your life and beauty goals. They get personal. Pros covers everything from your concerns to your age, exercise, and stress levels in order to uncover what's impacting your hair and skin health. They asked me about my hair loss being genetic in my family, how long it takes for my hair to get oily 
after a wash, what products and tools I use to style my hair, and even my zip code to understand how the water hardness, UV index, and cold dry winter in Philly might be impacting me. Next, they recommended a full routine of truly personalized products, which were only produced after I placed my order. Nothing pre-mixed, nothing off the shelf. Since I switched to pros, I've noticed my hair is so much softer, shinier, and fuller. I keep getting asked if I got a blowout from the salon. But don't just take my word for it. In a third-party double-bind dermatologist-supervised clinical controlled study, aka the gold standard in research studies, pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives. Try it for yourself and get your healthiest hair in 30 days or get your money back. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks for your free consultation and 50% off your one-of-a-kind formulas. Pros.com slash shrink chicks. Say goodbye to the cheap razor era, my friends. It's time to treat your body to the premium shave it deserves with Athena Club. Em and I just got back from an amazing trip to the Caribbean to celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our practice, the therapy group. And in haste of packing, because yours truly is a packing procrastinator, I forgot my Athena Club razor at home and had to resort to using a subpar flimsy razor that left my skin feeling anything but smooth, a mistake I will never make again. The Athena Club hype is real. The shave is seriously the smoothest I've ever experienced, and that is especially evident after having to use another razor in its absence. Aside from the amazing smoothest, let me tell you why Athena Club's razor kit is a must-have in your self-care routine. First off, can we talk about the price? At just $10, it's an absolute steal. But don't let the price fool you. This razor packs a serious punch. It comes with a beautifully made ergonomic handle and two super sharp razor heads that deliver an incredibly smooth shave every time. Plus, with the included magnetic hook, storage is a breeze. No more dealing with gooby blades or unexpected midnight shower crashing sound surprises. And the quality of the shave is top notch. Those five precision engineered blades glide effortlessly, leaving you a silky smooth skin every time. Plus, the water activated serum and built-in skin guards ensure a comfortable irritation-free shave. Are you ready to upgrade your shaving experience? Switch to the best razor on the market and show your skin you care with Athena Club. Head over to athenaclub.com to try their award winning razor and body products and get 20% off your first purchase with code shrinkchicks at checkout. You can also find Athena Club razors at your local Target store. Trust me, you won't look back. Happy shaving. I love what you said that like the healing isn't linear in a lot of ways that it's like one step forward two steps back and you're just doing a lot because you're really having with healing it sounds like you're having to kind of work through so many different ways of like viewing others viewing your relationships um and I'm just kind of processing now like how challenging that must have been and how much that must have brought up in your relationships as you were working through healing yeah, it was. And I think one of the m- most difficult things was coming out and not feeling like myself anymore. Um, like I couldn't feel me. And, and, I, I, and I, I didn't know what that was. I now know what it was because I've read some books about it. And I understand that that does happen when, when you are in a traumatic uh, environment is that you kind of dissociate. And I was really in that stage of just being so separate from 
my own body and my mind and my thoughts that when I came out, I, I thought I was gonna lose my mind and that I wouldn't be able to repair it. Um, I thought that I was schizophrenic. I couldn't control my own thoughts. Uh, and that was really terrifying. I didn't feel love for my mom because it had been so tampered with. And I was so terrified that I wouldn't be able to have those things again and that I wouldn't be able to feel that. And I don't think that we realize that those things can be taken from you. Uh, we, I sort of took it for granted, like, oh, I'll always have access to this, but you don't. Right. Um, and so I've had to really work hard to rebuild that um, and, and become more connected to myself in that way. And I really relied a lot on just like blind faith because there were times where I just felt like, I wanted to kill myself mm -hmm. and I just didn't want to be in my own body. Uh, it was just so chaotic inside. And so I think I like to talk about those things because I don't want people to feel like they're, you know, abnormal for having those thoughts or that, that they should feel alone in that. I think it should be the opposite. If you do feel that way, you should speak about it. Uh, and share about it because you'll find often that other people are experiencing things similar to you. Um, so for me, it has been really messy, but I've had a lot of support and, and many people who leave cults or high control groups don't have their family, don't have any resources available to them, don't have, you know, access to their careers because they've devoted themselves to this other organization or, you know, religion. And so you're starting at like negative, negative yeah. <laughs> when you try to re-enter the world. Um, and you have a lot of self-doubt and a lot of fears, irrational fears and paranoia about the world. And so you're kind of, it's a challenging road back. And I have a lot of respect for anyone who has decided to take that on because some people can't handle it and they fall victim to another cult or another abusive relationship. And I mean, I did the same thing. <laughs> Right after I got out of Nexium, I got a job where I was being sexually harassed on a daily basis, but I was wow. so terrified to lose the job because the job was like the only thing giving me stability while my life was falling apart and Nexium was being destroyed and I was like cult girl in the news. Mm -hmm. Now all I wanted to do is go and manage this little cafe, but I was being assaulted at the same time. Oh, wow. And I was willing to tolerate that at that time because I didn't have that self-respect for my own, yeah, I didn't have that sense of self-worth. And I thought, well, I guess this is what I have to tolerate in order to, you know, continue working. I do not feel that way anymore at all. Like my tolerance is, is zero for that shit. And, but it has taken me time yeah. to get there. And, and so like not to beat yourself up, if you do fall into the pattern again, you'll get out quicker the next mm. time. I would love to ask you about, so one of the things is that a lot of these high control groups uh, that will, they start out as a multi-level marketing or some healing thing. They're often actually advertised as self-improvement therapeutic. Yeah. And so the interesting part is we sit here and say like, okay, we'll go to therapy afterwards. But a lot of people join these things for a therapeutic or coaching aspect. Yeah. And I believe even one of the women involved was a social worker or something, right? It was like a, some type of counselor. Do you mean Nancy Solomon? Yes, yeah. yes. Right. So like there's this part where like, oh, it's like this therapist. And so then afterwards, it's like, oh, go to therapy and take care of it. But I'm wondering about what that was like for you. To Not then and 
Like to okay. then enter into, I mean, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how much damage therapists can do, right? And one of the reasons that we became therapists is because we had very shitty experience with therapists, right? <laughs> yes. Well, and so, because there's a lot of yes. bad therapists out there. So, but it's specifically delicate in what we're talking about with you because there are people that are doing this work in the office and doing this therapy. So I'm wondering about what that was like for you. What was it like to find a clinician? What was it like to trust someone? And I think there's another part where sometimes you can maybe want to make your therapist into a guru after being in a high control thing and like we're not perfect. No, no. And that's dangerous. And I've seen it happen. Yes. And I um, I, It was a lot of trial and error. And, and really, I think the key is timing because initially, I mean, something happened where I was kind of <laughs> duped into meeting with someone who was a cult therapist, thinking that it was therapy required by my work, but really it was kind of rigged by my mom because she was terrified and she was like trying to, which really did not go down well <laughs> at all. Yeah, when sure. I, found out, I was, cause this was when we were still not communicating. So she was yeah. trying to to do things behind the scenes, it blew up. Good intent, bad impact. <laughs> exactly. And and I end up at this guy, you know, um, I won't say his name, but he is a therapist and he considers himself really s- specialized in cults. And we're sitting there in the room and I'm he's up on like 27th Street in, in Manhattan. And I'm like, why am I here? Because he starts telling me about the, the times where he was in a he was in this group who was led by Guru Mai and that there was, there was a lot of abuse and that there was sexual abuse and that there were things. I'm like, what the fuck is this guy talking to me about this? Like I was not in the right headspace to even register that he was making parallels to Nexium because I was still like, I don't have a problem with Nexium. I'm fine. Look at me. I'm doing great. Literally not at all. Everything (laughs) was falling apart. I was you know, walking 16 miles a day just to calm myself. Like I was not in a good place, but it it did more damage actually, because it made me really afraid to trust another therapist because I wasn't sure if they were going to try and change my mind again. And I was just like wanting quiet and I'll stop influencing me at every corner. Just let me think for myself. Like that's really what I was desperate for. But I, I, was having a hard time getting back there because I had been, you know, in an environment that was so hyper controlling. So cut to a therapist who is now trying to subtly, you know, air quotes here, coerce me into thinking yeah. another way. And I was like, no, not Icky. gonna happen. Not great. Dug, mm-hmm. dug my heels in because it felt wrong and it felt like, and I could feel his desperation too, because he probably really wanted to like do right by my mom. But <laughs> wasn't into it. Then, you know, I, I, I stepped away from therapy for a while. And I worked with a woman named Diane Ben Scooter, who isn't a therapist, but she is a deprogrammer. And I really benefited from that. And we spoke almost every day for sometimes two hours a day. And she would just ask me questions. And it wasn't forced. And she was so respectful. And she really just wanted to know what I thought and how I felt about things, which was not how I was treated for the past couple of years. And so really the floodgates started to open, but there were so many areas of my memory that I was one incapable of remembering at the time, 
and just couldn't go there could not physically talk about it. Like if I did, my throat would start to close up. I'd start to shake. Like I would get confused. I wouldn't be able to express myself. And I would just like not want to talk about that. And it actually took me more than six months of working with her and working with the FBI to be able to say that something sexual happened to me. Mm -hmm. Like that's how repressed it was in my Mm -hmm. own memory. Um, And how, how, I was told to not talk about anything. So I benefited a lot from her work and the way that she works, which was just helping me rebuild my own critical thinking, which what a blessing that is. And then I did go into other therapy later. I I really benefited from more somatic therapy because there were certain things that I couldn't verbalize that were being held in my body, like a lot of fear. specifically around like my female area and like my ovaries and things. And this woman is a victim of, of rape herself. And so what she does now is she helps to um, just unlock parts of the body that are holding on to trauma. And I remember one of the sessions, she just like lit, put her fingers right above my ovaries while she was working on me. And I started shaking like uncontrollably and just crying. And I was like, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't really know what's happening. And she was like, it's okay. Just let it out. Like whatever noise you need to make, whatever sound you need to make, if you need to hit the ground, like that's where I was at. And I was not in a place to sit and have talk therapy Mm -mm. um, because there was too much inside that had, that I couldn't verbalize. So I think that's really good for me to know and good maybe for other people to know that there is not one size fits all that you got to kind of try and feel feel it out I then kind of transitioned more into uh exercise as an outlet for myself because I had a lot of rage Mm -hmm. (laughs) and during during the trial just feeling so helpless I got heavily into boxing I did it this morning and it's I consider it like the cheapest therapy I do (laughs) 40 minutes of just fucking punching the shit out of something and I've never had like muscles I've never felt powerful like I could just really give somebody a one-two hook Mm -hmm. and knock them out and I think that's really good healthy too for someone who isn't confrontational uh so I try a lot of different things and sometimes I'm more heavily reliant on some um others I've also you know I had to not saying that this is a therapy but for a while I was having trouble eating. So I really did rely on marijuana (laughs) and, and absolutely great healing, but great healing modality. But I also love, you know, India, what you're talking about is like listening to yourself, right? After years of being judgment about it. Like, yes, Yes. if you need a margarita at the end of the day, who the fuck cares? Yes. Fuck it. Smoke the joint. Right. Like, I mean, there is something to say and like, here's how I like, you know what? You like, don't like disappear into it because then you're never going to come back and confront the thing. But sometimes yes. you do need a little support. Absolutely. And to be able to listen to yourself and say that and say like, hey, like maybe this isn't talk therapy. I have to find some alternative thing like that. There is no one right way to heal. It's an 
individual thing of refining yourself. And so yeah. I love that you're being so honest about that. Because I think there's people that be, be like, I yeah, I mean, I'm know, sure there's like, people that be like, I don't want anyone to know that I smoke some pot or something. It's like, fuck it, man. Like, you know, have the joint, right? Like, do whatever you need to I do. I needed it. I was yes. such a stress ball. I like couldn't come down at the end of the day. And my, uh, my fiance, one of the first things that he told me when we first started dating was he's like, you know what? By the time I'm done with you, you're going to know how to chill. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, huh? <laughs> like, here I am lying on the couch having a panic attack. And he's like, are you right over there? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and that was literally because he had taken me on a beach vacation. It was like forcing me to relax, which was literally the opposite of what I had been trained to do. And, and so I have needed a little more support when it comes to just let like, like just not being so tight. Um, and I need reminders about that myself. And also, you know, the fact that you allowed those things, the things that you were, the ways you were taking care of yourself, you allowed it to change over time, right? At the beginning, talk therapy was too much. And, and that, it's so important, I think, also for families, right, who their loved one might be struggling with something. I think so often families will, like, push this idea of healing on. I mean, them. we literally get calls all the time of, of like, oh, my. I want to make an appointment for so-and-so, but she oh. doesn't want to go. Through. And it's like, oh. Constantly. That never works. Absolutely. <laughs> That one doesn't work, guys. It doesn't work. And so, how do I get someone to go to therapy? It's not right. how this works. Yeah. Right. So the fact. Why don't you go to therapy right. for that person? That's always our first thought. Yes. No, but but just the fact that you you and it sounds like the person who was helping you kind of deprogram, reprogram, um, really allowed you to kind of build that listening to yourself and like, what do I need right now, and what's important for me, and I think that how healing that must be to be able to say to yourself, like, what do I need in this moment? And how difficult it is. And I, I think we maybe don't recognize that. Like if you're a strong, maybe a strong, confident person who knows what they want, like I envy you because that is not natural for me. I've had to kind of like go back in time and access that like three-year-old that's like, no, I will not put my socks on. Like I needed to get back to her so that I could kind of find my equilibrium again. And sometimes I just say no, just to like be, you know, object because I can. And sometimes I'm like, okay, that's not rational, but (laughs) Um, I, I've had to learn to trust myself again and rebuild that, that little India inside that I can listen to because it was so faint to the point of non-existent for years that I didn't realize that you actually have to build that skill. And, and just being in, in Mexico for a couple of days and coming, you know, coming off of a really intense boat trip. And I, I was walking around town and I, I had a hard time because even just being in Mexico was bringing up a lot of weird feelings. Uh, there was a big Mexican contingency within Nexium and just like hearing all the Spanish again and mm-hmm. kind of it, it triggered me in different ways and I did tell Patrick I was like you know I'll say even though I'm having a hard time here right now and I'm gonna just try and relax and have fun I uh was kind of thrown by that I thought like I, I should just be able to enjoy myself immediately and it's not always that way sometimes things come up and and I have to you know, work for it, like work for the enjoyment, work for the relaxation. Uh, I don't think it'll always be like that, but 
it is kind of like that now. Well, that's a perfect segue into calling bullshit. Our segment in the show for all of our guests, tell us, call some bullshit about some assumptions people make or anything you've heard. (laughs) There's so many. Um, (laughs) Let's see. Well, the first one that we, we could discuss is that people that join cults are stupid or naive. Um, it's actually not always the, that at all. That usually they're people who really are well-intentioned, good-hearted, people who want to see change in the world and, and are willing to devote themselves to that. Uh, so that there's a certain level of intelligence there. And even within Nexium, we had a whole Harvard contingency so it wasn't like there was lack of education. Um, another thing, you know, I think people think of cults and they think of you know girls dancing around in the woods in white dresses with a bonfire. And I'm like, no, that's not really how cults are anymore. And cults are actually really sophisticated and they're using technology and they're using um, other mediums to catfish for people and to recruit, whether it's dating apps or, you know, yeah. online communities. So I think something that people should be aware of is when you enter into a group environment, even if it's physical or online, it could be a cult. Like, don't just think that because you're in the safety of your own uh, room that you're not susceptible to that kind of manipulation. Um, not to f- put fear into people's <laughs> lives, but but really it got me thinking a lot about how a 16 year old could be in a cult from her bedroom. Right. Um, but her cult in her mind. And so I think that that's a good thing to be aware of. Another bullshit is um, what that trying to think of. There's so many things that people have said. (laughs) Oh, well, I guess that, that healing is, is, you know, a one and done. Uh, And that's not the truth at all. And that, just the first stages of questioning what you've believed for so many years is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's still people who are devoted to Keith Raniere, even though he's 120 years sentence and in a you know, sex offender unit in Arizona, there's still people who believe in him. And that's, that's their choice at this point. They are refusing to take in the information what he is, which is a predator and a convicted felon. Um, And that's sad because they're still, they're losing their lives to him still. So I think some people might think that just because an organization has, you know, been exposed, that all the people are free of it. And that's not true either. They're still indoctrinated. Wow. Absolutely. Can I just say how incredibly privileged we feel to be able to talk to you and for you to share your yeah. experience? Like well, you. you you truly have probably helped so many people without even knowing it. Yeah. And I think that it really means so much to us that you came on our show to talk about it and share with our listeners. It really truly privileged. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I I, I could talk for hours with you too. <laughs> we could do. We could do. India, where can people find you? Um, well, I am terrible at social media, but you can find me on Instagram because that's <laughs> the only one I can handle. Um, and you can find Seduced on Stars and you can listen to my book. It's exclusive with Audible. Uh, it's called Still Learning. And 
um, it really just goes through a lot of the red flags that I wish that I would have been able to identify. So I hope that it helps. Amazing. And thank you for sharing thank you so much. your story with us. Please keep in touch. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now, now we Would can be connected. Love to. If this episode spoke to you or do you think to someone, feel free to share it. You can always rate, review, subscribe. And now with Apple Podcasts, you just follow. Thanks for being here today. And to grow yourself, you got to know yourself.